Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. You are listening to the Redraft Podcast, and as always, I am your co-host, Romina Ramos, and I am joined by Will Stevenson, my podcast pal, company co-owner, and uh, poet friend. How are you? Poet friend. I love it. I always love listening to poet the little friend. introductions you give me. No, I, made right, up on the, I made this up on the spot. Sometimes it doesn't <laughs> even make sense, but we roll with it, we roll with it. Oh, friend, that works. I'm happy with it. Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I'm sweltering in the sun, and I'm very tired. But uh, that's that's just every week, isn't it? We always say that it's hot every week, every week. <laughs> but yeah, I'm all good. We've had. Um, good. I've been super busy. Um, I went. I've been at Right to Rome Festival in Bolton um, Friday and Saturday. Yes. Um, which was amazing. Uh, so much fun. Uh, outdoor multi-venue music festival right in our little town. I just wanted to give a shout out to some of the bands that I saw as well. So Spinsters um, with Poetry yes. Zone, Emily Cook on lead vocals. What an amazing mm-hmm. performance at the Octagon. Um, really, really enjoyed that, especially seeing a sort of musical rendition of one of my favourite poems from Emily. So if you get the chance, go and check out Spinsters and their new EP. Um, with the artwork by our very own Stuart Beveridge as well, who also designed all the art yes. for Redraft. Um, Seb Lowe over on the main stage was brilliant on a Friday, and I was absolutely buzzing to see um, Ithaca, who are a hardcore band who've just smashed 2,000 trees and just done a festival in Belgium, come and play little old Bolton at the Alma Inn as well, so it was brilliant. Um, on the Saturday, I saw some amazing acts like... Uh, Clip Drip, which is one of what a name. Um, the Empty Love Page, that. Dirty Blondes, um, all sorts of brilliant pageant mom, loads and loads of talent. Um, and we just, yeah, it was just a really great weekend filled with so many different styles of music. There was hip hop, RB, punk, metal, jazz, like every kind of thing you could uh, you could wish to find under I was gonna say one roof, but I guess many roofs but yeah it was it was brilliant metaphorical metaphorical roof um shout out to the organizers ivan and everybody who helped pull that together what an amazing event i really really enjoyed myself so yeah beautiful so nice that we've got uh we've got like this exciting uh this exciting thing growing in our little town it's amazing i love it i love this time of year because we get things like right to rome we get things like the bolton food festival which has grown year on year on year you get some big names coming through and some fantastic activities and stuff um and i just love it and it's summertime and i love it i have uh not been as as what's the word i'm looking for i have been busy but not in the in the nice way that you have been in the fun way yeah <laughs> not in the fun relaxing enjoyable way uh, <laughs> but in that i i have been training new stuff at work and that's been fun in its own little way to be fair i've got to meet new people um and hear about their stories so it's been good it's, i think it's been good uh, writing material let's say yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah it's it's been busy but i am enjoying a couple days off now and we're doing the podcast which is always a good time so i'm so excited for the chat that we are about to listen to this week we've got sherelle and one third of the poetry place um and just an incredible writer performer you know mesmerizing i think is the word i use in the chat and and it's 
true uh from the first time i saw her perform she's incredible and she's got such a lovely way of uh looking at life mm. um in general um and i just think it's a really great great chat yeah so without further she... ado oh no, no no you go you go yeah she she shares a story in a really compelling and um inviting manner and she she dishes all sorts of information about poetry place and talks about her own writing career and yeah, just a fantastic conversation. Really enjoyed it. So I hope you do as well. Yes, we'll see you on the other side. Yeah, perfect. All right. Well, we are here on a, on a bit of a last minute Sunday afternoon with our amazing guest, Sherelle. How are you doing, Sherelle? All right. I'm really good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Kind of wishing the sun was still shining but other than that yeah right i'm good these manchester skies it's been all over the place the past couple of days it was glorious did you get it as well yesterday yeah yeah it was so nice yeah, yeah. we were out, out in the sunshine but yeah well you've been you've been about a lot recently you've been down and seen mif yet because we need to talk about manchester international festival yeah so I've been I've been through Festival Square a couple of times. I've not fully had a chance to like immerse myself in the festival as I yeah. have done in previous years. This time around, it's just worked out like that with you know time and other commitments, whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm planning on seeing a few things this week. It's the final week this week, and and. Yeah, I'm studying um, a course with Factory Academy at the minute. So part of the course I have to, like for the final project, I've got to like do something to do with uh, the festival. So I'm like mapping that out and it involves having to go and experience parts of it. So yeah, yeah. I right. think next week will be like when I fully get stuck in. Amazing. Well, yeah. and we've got, of course, the poetry place turning up and uh, being a part of it, which is amazing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're actually, like, on closing day, which yeah. is a little bit daunting because, like, I'm I'm a bit, like, I know it's going to be busy, like, closing day is it's, it's bound to be busy. So, yeah, um, I think, yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm hoping we get, like, good weather and that, so we get a really good turnout and you know, we can, yeah, get stuck in with that. I, I, yeah, I'm actually, like, um, debuting some tracks off my album, for that, which I, I haven't Nice. Done. And I'm, yeah, I'm a bit nervous about it. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still I'm still in the rehearsal, in the rehearsal bit. I'm, yeah, I've not fully got it down the way I'd want it yeah. to be. So, yeah, busy few days till Wednesday, I think. Oh, of course. When is it not? But, um... yeah. We'll revisit that. We'll come back to that because I want to talk to you about MIF. I want to talk to you about music and all sorts of stuff. But we always on the pod, we go right back to the beginning, first of all. Um, so I we wanted to talk to you about how you came to poetry. With, were you interested in English at, at high school? Or what was your what was your school experience like growing up? Oh, interesting. I've not been asked this before. Um, so... I was I was a really good student. I yeah, I really I, I've always been someone that like thoroughly enjoys learning and mm. um 
I, yeah, I think, so I, oh God, I'm just like really conscious of, you know, not, not, like I don't, I don't want to like my parents to feel any kind of way and mm. listen to this. Do you know what mm. I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. they, you know, we grew up how we grew up and they, they, they did the best they could in it. And, yes. you know, um, I think, yeah. Where were you? So, so yeah. what, what part of? So I grew up in Willington. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm one of six, so yeah, um, hey. yeah, yeah. There's six of us. I've got three younger, a younger house. sister and an elder sister. Um, and um, yeah, um, I think my mum and dad split up when I was about ten, eleven. Um, and my mum was like a single parent after that. Uh, you know, we didn't have much, but we weren't aware then mm. that we didn't necessarily have much because I think nobody really had much. Where I think you know today the, it's it's a different kind of world that we live in, in it with like so much exposure with the internet and stuff. To like, mm. it's almost like what we would consider luxury then is now like everyday things. So like, mm. even like going to the cinema and stuff like that. Like, if we went to the cinema, it would be like for a birthday, maybe somebody else's birthday, even, and they've invited us. You know, like that. <laughs> yeah. Where now you know it's something that I do with my kids just as and when I can for a day out, you know. Um, mm. So, yeah, very different type of um, lifestyle. I think at the time when I left school, I didn't um, I didn't leave with any GCSEs, even though I was a very capable student. I didn't actually sit my exams and stuff um, with one thing and another that, you know, mm. I don't really want to get into it. Um, and... Um, I had a really hard time at school. I think socially I struggled. I don't think I ever really found a place where I fitted in or I never found any real kind of sense of comfortability during my teens or I'd say even up until like late 20s, early 30s, you know. Um, and I'm probably still in that process now. Um, mm. So I think I was quite an awkward kid. I was quite like like scared myself I think like I don't know yeah I was just very like I was scared to say or do anything wrong so I always kind of just stood on the outskirts if that if you know what I mean mm -hmm. um and yeah I I so yeah I left school I didn't get any GCSEs but I did get um my English teacher gave me a C in English speaking and listening because that was like all she could grade me off mm. and um because it wasn't actually like a sit down exam and I think we'd already done part of like the oral exams and stuff like that um and like I know like I knew at that time like I was it was English was something that I enjoyed but I enjoyed every I enjoyed most subjects in skills in school and even the bits that I didn't really enjoy, I was usually like pretty good at, so I could just kind of breeze by with it. Um, so yeah, I think at that point, I'd probably already been writing and already discovered this kind of love and necessity of it. Necessity um, is a good word, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I think for me, it's always felt like a necessity, something I had to do um, from being really young, yeah. Um, and I don't know if I really took that seeing, speaking and listening as as kind of any real like 
signifying thing that oh yeah this is something you're good at or anything I don't know if I really acknowledged it that much but obviously it stuck with me that I know off the top of my head um but yeah I think yeah at that point I'd been writing maybe like a few years maybe four or five years or something so I was already you know kind of it was it was a hobby and the time after I left school my dad lived in London and I remember I went to stay with him for a little bit I tried to move there but I just didn't like London was not for me <laughs> at yeah. all I think I lasted about three months like you know when you leave school and you think you've grown and you know everything and you're like no one can tell you anything and I was like you know great I'm gonna adventure and I moved to London and I, yeah I think I lasted about three months three and I was months. like no like, Manchester's like just so much more friendlier and it's yeah. got everything that you need it's just smaller so it's easier to navigate um so yeah I came back but um in that time I remember writing a lot my dad always like really encouraged my writing and um he produced music and uh plays mm. keyboard and stuff like that so um there's time that I spent there most of that time I just spent like writing songs with my dad in his home studio and stuff like that so were you right what were you writing then was that poetry would you would, looking back were you writing poetry then or were you just writing writing songs and poetry um I used to write to music a lot like my dad would make a beat and I'd be like oh I really love that dad like can I write something to it and then I'd, I'd just write to it and I'd, I'd like try and sing and stuff but I wasn't massively confident so like I'd I'd record my vocal when like my dad was out or something and um I just remember like always writing poetry from a really young age and I don't know what introduced me to it I'm not sure if it was something I did in school and then I just went home and just carried on doing it or what but yeah it's something that I, I've done from a really young age and uh, yeah I think I've mentioned a few times in like these kind of settings um, yeah I was about 13 and I wrote this poem called The World Is My Oyster and um, I went to see my dad I probably like joined the Christmas holidays or something or summer holidays and um I'd written a poem when I was there and I did like loads of doodling around the outside and stuff and I gave it him and then next time when I came back he'd like framed it in a picture frame on his living room wall and I think that was like love that a thing that really like stayed with me and made mm. me feel like oh like someone's like enjoys this it's 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 you know it's something that people enjoy and stuff but still I don't think I was the most confident kid um to like share publicly I think I shared bits with my dad maybe my mom and my sister as well my elder sister but I, I yeah I never really used to like I used to write a lot but share very little um for a long time like until pretty much until like just before I started performing and stuff. So that's crazy yeah. because like the difference now in the person that you see on stage must be mad in your head to to look back at that. Because when you're on a stage now, everyone it's eyes on you. You are a, one of my favorite yeah. people to watch mm -hmm. as a performer. Do you think like? Oh, thank you. No, not 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 flattery. It's just true. Do you know what I mean? But like, yeah. do you think you're, mesm you're mes mesmerizing? I think is the word. Like yeah. even from the first time I saw you on, on say at saying, which I believe was my first time performing, was your first time performing at Old Abbey Tap House. Yeah, that was like September, October twenty one. So like not long ago. Yeah, September. Ago, it was, yeah, 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 yeah. 
but yeah, mesmerized. I've always been like, I know there's something about it. It's like Thank a you. trance almost. Yeah, it's amazing. At that time, so when you're 13, 14, what sort of influences are you having in your writing? Probably like just like this kind of uncomfortability of my place in the world. Like I was really self-aware even as a kid. I, you know, I would write about like the poem that I'm speaking about is about like, oh, they tell me the world's my oyster and that, but, you know, it doesn't feel like that to me. I don't know where I fit in and it just feels like everyone's always got something to say about everything I do and I, I don't know how to be me and exist in this space. Like, mm. and um, I think that it, it, like I say, it was necessity for me. I had all this stuff inside me that I had to get out and I didn't know how to communicate it and I just would write about it and it would ease the pain a little bit or help me process and figure things out. And, you know, yeah. And I think that's that's largely why I didn't really share my my poetry and stuff um, because, I mean, I think I went through phases where I did. I had a MySpace back in the day where I'd like <laughs> shared poems and stuff. Amazing. Um, it's personal yeah, though, isn't it? I think at that time, I, yeah, I don't think I was really ready to have my work kind of criticised and stuff. And somebody would, it would take something small for someone to just give like a really kind of appropriate criticism and, you know, like feedback. And I, I would be like, oh, I'm not sharing anymore. And it, then I'd just go offline for a couple of years and then I might come back and years. do it again. And, you know, like, so I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd kind of like dabbled off and on. And I'd go on like these really obscure kind of forums and websites where I knew like, people that I knew wouldn't necessarily be and stuff um so yeah that's yeah that was probably like a really kind of long drawn out introduction into like publicly sharing my work mm. you know it just took it, it was such a, a progression over such a long period of time but yeah I didn't and I didn't speak my poetry at that point it was entirely written words um so yeah very different yeah do you still have any of that old stuff yeah, yeah, just like tucked away in journals and stuff. I've yeah. like been digging through quite a bit of it for like material for the book and that. I want it to really like have a full journey of mm. my kind of exploration through poetry. Um, mm. so yeah, amazing. I'm trying That's... to, I'm trying to resist the urge to go back and over edit some of the older stuff because I think it's good to show in its in its raw state and you know it's it's not necessarily technically what I would do now you know like it's not the way I would necessarily structure a piece or you know there's some some pieces that are just really unfinished but like the start of something great I'm like resisting the urge to like mm. you know digging on it a little bit because I feel like it's it's almost like um like um oh What's it's like a time word? capsule, isn't it? It's like a yeah, yeah, like a time capsule. Yeah, exactly that. Like a documentary of my life, yeah. almost, but like free poetry. So, yeah, it's a process. It's very cathartic. So you went, you you, you went to London. Was six, sixteen, seventeen. How old are you? Around yeah. that, yeah. For three, for three months, and then what happens yeah. when you get back <laughs> up north? You, you but, now, I mean, but... like I was always, I was always back and forth anyway because right. my dad lived down there. Um, <clears throat> But th that was the time when I went with the intention to stay for a little yeah. while. 
And anyway, um, I didn't and I came back. And at the time, I think um, I was just kind of doing like bar work and, you know, like, um, like I started out collecting glasses and stuff. And then I worked in bars for a couple of years um, once I turned 18. Um, and I do like temping jobs and, you know, like waiting on and bar work. Um, and then my now husband and I like moved in together and um so we met when I was 16 so again another yeah so like another part of like that journey like me not staying in London stuff was like you know I I had I still had that here and stuff as well so um I think yeah I came back just kind of working just just like nothing I had no sense of direction I didn't like I think when I became a mother that's what really gave me like a firm sense mm. of drive and you know wanting kind of to be you know an example to them or you know like a role model um so um yeah I, I spent a couple of years just like you know just rubbish jobs making money however I could but um probably writing less during this time as well I think yeah I definitely got went through phases with it of like maybe a year I might write one or two things and then there might be a year where I write loads because I needed to or you know and so yeah different phases of my life um I worked in so I worked in a pub called the Bowling Green in Cholton I loved that that was like one of my first kind of real bad jobs that I got stuck into. And, and I did that, you know, as a way of like coming out of myself a little bit because I was still mm-hmm. quite shy at that point. And um, it was a friend of mine um, that I grew up with, Wesley, Big Wes, hey? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, that I think he was someone that like suggested to me I should do bar work and that. So yeah, and I got into that and I really enjoyed it and it was it was a little bit like from and you know it was a little bit like putting your best foot forward and mm. you know I, I think it did a lot for bringing me out myself and enabling me to like speak to people um and then I was working in a pub in Presswich my husband and I we um we were we were trying to rent rent somewhere first when we moved in together and then he got offered like a really good deal on this little flat in Presswich. And I hadn't even considered Presswich as like somewhere to live or whatever, because um, I was from Wivington. Um, but um, yeah, it was like too good of an offer to turn down. So we were living in Presswich at the time and I got this bar job, which was like walking distance from the flat. And um, it was a pub. Um, I can't remember what it was called. And it's gone out of my head. But um, so yeah. Um, I worked there and one day the chefs hadn't turned up so they got an agency chef in and then I ended up covering in the kitchen as well and at the end of the shift he was like oh you're pretty good at this you should you should maybe like give it a go try going college and that and like I say I, I you know I wasn't really doing anything I didn't have any real ambition or anything um and so I was like yeah all right cool so I, it was like the time for enrollment and stuff and I went enrolled in the course and 
absolutely just like fell in love with the kitchen. Like the first day I was in there, I was like, oh shit, this is this is where I fit in. This is home. Like, you yeah. know, it was a room full of misfits with like really intense <laughs> heat and pressure. And I was like, yes. yeah, I'm here for it. <laughs> you know? Um and um yeah, I fell in love with that and a few months later I I got pregnant with my daughter and uh, with my eldest which I you know I had we had kind of planned you know we'd wanted to like sit down we bought our first place together it seemed like the natural next thing to do mm. or whatever and I was like 20 at this time um and so I dropped out of the course by Christmas and then um, just like spent the whole time on my maternity leave, just learning all the course materials and going through everything and cooking for my husband. He was having the time of his life. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I, I think at that point I decided like, yeah, this is me. This is what I want to do, I, you know. Um, and I'd really like fallen in love with just cooking and feeding people actually, like mm. feeding people like such a wholesome like these 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 are these are that you get from like feeding someone and them enjoying your food and you know that energy exchange like um we spoke about so this before and, it's it's that idea of that's art isn't it in the same way as poetry is or spoken word or whatever that's mm -hmm. energy i like that yeah a, definitely yeah. yeah and i think i think for me that's what i get from performing as well like the mm. energy exchange like I think it's it, it's something that um I'm 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 quite sensitive to to that kind of stuff. So it's something that like it really like it can feed me or it can deplete me. And you know, it, I have to be very careful with, you know, how I take that on and you know, um taking care of myself mm. during this process when I'm when I'm performing and stuff as well. I don't know if you have the same thing, but um yeah yeah something I've, I've i've like been really aware of recently um well, i think your work like i've cancelled a few things last minute do, do you know what looking after yourself though aren't you and i think your work's super like confessional mm -hmm. often isn't it and it's very truthful and mm -hmm. really uh, yeah, your own yeah. experiences so that that completely yeah. makes sense i yeah. do you know i didn't realize that you two had this similar backstory of the idea of like chef in school and yeah, chef. yeah that's mad yeah 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 so when I heard Ramina's um podcast I was like oh yeah like we've got this in yeah. common like you know yeah, I yeah. didn't realize that either I think I actually messaged you yeah yeah yeah, 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 I sure. yeah I, but, I didn't yeah, know it about funny. you either I knew that mm. you had did you did you have we're probably skipping ahead time a, a few years here I'm not sure but did you have your own like cake shop or something like that yeah. yeah, I did. So I, I, I think I saw that on Facebook, but I don't, I didn't realize that you were like a chef, chef, you know. Right. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah. For me, I think I fell in love with it at the beginning too when I went to college, but I feel like college did not prepare me for the industry mm. in the sense yes. of like the pressures of it, and you know, it it college taught me about cooking and about the fine art of it, and you know the methods and, and all that sort of stuff 100% and I had a really brilliant teacher there but I it, it did not prepare me for 
the kitchen like in the sense of all the pressures and you will have like grown men screaming mm. you know swearing yeah. at you and, yeah. and and demanding a lot um but I loved it for a few years but it made me ill in the end I think it was just, yeah I think I think my issue was that I kind of threw my head in head first into it and it the, my, at least the, the the circuit that I worked in was quite toxic. I, I very rarely, I think I worked with like one, two girls at the max in my own whole 10 years. Uh, loads of female waitresses, but no 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 female mm. presence in the kitchen, like very, mm-hmm. very, very little. Yeah, yeah. And so I just threw myself head first into this like kind of toxic industry where it's like you're not allowed a day off. Like I remember there was a chef I worked with and he had a family member that was like dying and the exec chef was like, you can't not come in, like we need you. And it, and, and that was like mm-hmm. the, you know, unless you were dead, you could, you had to turn up and stuff. And yeah, I think I just, I, I went too hard in it. I worked like 18 hour days for like six months straight. And at the end of that, I was like, I, I, I have to leave. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I did love it. And, and it's, the look like the feeling you were saying before about how rewarding it is when you feed like a hundred people in one night and everyone loved it and it's just like such a big rush like you, mm-hmm. I don't think you, I don't think many things can replicate no. that feeling in life no like digging out the weeds on a Saturday night service and like smashing yeah. through and getting to the end with no complaints and like everyone was served on time like oh is there anything better yeah you know but the toll that it takes on your body is it really yeah. worth it you know the way the industry is structured it really does just need an overhaul and yeah I think there's so much reluctance to like make the shift and I, I, I don't really know what it's like now post-COVID, um, but pre-COVID, it was begging for something to change. And I think, I, w- I would like to hope that there have been, you know, changes implemented since COVID because the entire industry was like left on its ass, wasn't it? A little bit. Mm, Sorry, I'm yeah. swear on it. You no, you can swear on it. It's an adult podcast. <laughs> it was left on its bum. Yeah, <laughs> bottom. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, my experience very similar to Romina's in that, yeah, there's very little female presence and a lot of lack of compassion and just humanity just like yeah and you know ultimately you're feeding people in it like surely it's yeah. not that deep that you <laughs> yeah. can you know really like I've seen people change and not for the better in those environments you know like you can literally see the environment eating away at someone mm you know that's not healthy um yeah I don't know what do you do where did you where did your journey with it stop then so you you were chef in restaurants yeah so I I worked in kitchens um I worked in a few like fine dining like um restaurants uh did like abodes the Hilton early on in my career um I had my second daughter then I went back to college. So what I was going to say, Romino, when you were saying you don't learn like the real, like the full experience of like a kitchen in college, I think college is to build your confidence. So like every time I've taken time out to have my kids or taken 
a, a bit of a knock to my confidence by working in those toxic environments I've gone yeah. back to college and it's really like built me back up to feel able to then go in and and take the lead in, in yeah, yeah, those yeah. spaces a bit again you know where I think um without that I probably would have given up on hospitality a lot sooner um so yeah I did like a bit bit here and there like mostly I would work somewhere for like up to a year and then move on because I was very adamant I wanted to get good I was very specific about the type of places I wanted to work I was very aware of the fact that you know I was probably going to be the only person there that was a mother maybe the only person with kids but you know definitely the only person that's a mother and I think um um a mother's how a mother kind of like I you know takes on that role is is very different a lot of the times and I'm not saying all the times so I don't want to like generalize like that but I think it's a lot easier for men to work 16 hour days five or six days a week with kids and yeah. have a, a wife at home taking on all that responsibility and not feel as much guilt or as much of a way about it as 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 it is for a mother and whether that's through like messages from like society and stuff like that or just internally as a mother like the bonds that I have with my children and the ways in which I want to be there for them um a lot of the time you know um the working in kitchens didn't like provide that for me and it was like a massive, it, I think it probably had a detrimental effect on my productivity, not Definitely. actually having flexibility that I needed and, you know, being able, like always feeling torn between something I love and my kids, you know. Um, How has that intersected with, with poetry then later on? Because of uh, poetry nights, they're in the evening, they're late at night, and you've got to be gigging regularly to build up the you know the profile that you've now got. Obviously, your kids are a bit older now, and they've come to see you and all this stuff. But is that taken its toll in in any way? Oh man, do you know? Do you want me to be really honest? Is it going to be an overshare? Yeah. Um, Just whatever you're comfortable with. Do you know what I mean? We can put it out as well. So, so when I started performing, I was in like a really bad place, like mentally, emotionally. I'd just been through so much, like consecutively, year on year on year on year. Um, and my marriage broke down, and then I just couldn't juggle everything and deal with like the emotional repercussions of the breakdown of my relationship that I'd been in my entire adult life. Um, and I like I was like something I had to give. And so I had to let my shop go, which was my business that I'd like, oh God, I put so much into it. I can't even, God, it's making me emotional, but like, yeah, I can't even put into words what I put into that place. It was like a part of my soul. Um, so in that process and having let that go, um, I was very much just at, a proper crossroads like mentally I was like not in a good place emotionally I wasn't like dealing or coping very well um not for want of trying not for want of trying like selling my shop released the pressure that I needed to relieve to be able to 
go through the motions and process everything that I, you know, I needed to to deal with and stuff. But um, sorry, I just seen a magpie. <laughs> um, at that time, um, I think I was like literally just going through the motions every day. I don't know if you've been at that point in your life where you'd literally just going through the motions. And obviously, I've got these like babies depending on me and mm. you know my eldest is 16 I've got a 13 year old my youngest is five um and you know they're they're really independent anyway they're really good girls I'm very lucky um but I think I was I was struggling in a lot of ways and um I think um I would kind of like get through all of the bulk of the day of what I needed to do with them be it whether they were in school or whatever um do their dinner bedtime whatever and then go to open mics and stuff and um my husband would like come and take over at like five six o'clock at dinner time and spend a bit of the day with the kids because he was still like a really hands-on active parent even the time when we went together so like for me him wanting to spend that time with the kids and you know, we were living separately at the time. So when he came to the house, I would want to leave. Mm. So I would just really like make the most of that time. Like I've never really had that as an option to like have that kind of freedom. Do you know what I mean? To, I've been to be on your own as well. Yeah. Yeah. Save yeah. Yourself. So, yeah. yeah. So during that time, I was able to go to open night, night nights like three or four times a week. Um, whether my kids were like staying with their dad or whether they were here and he's like putting them to bed or whatever. So um, I kind of had more freedom, probably more than than I have now actually, to be honest with you. <laughs> but um, it, it, it enabled me to like utilize that time. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to spend that time in a way that wasn't proactive to, like my healing and processing what I was going through at that time. Like I wanted to, you know, I wanted to like, I want my kids to see, okay, mum was there, but now she's here. And she had to go through all of that to get there. And it was mm. a bit shit for a minute, but do you know what? She did all right. right. You know? Okay, but, but yeah, on that, it's that idea of, I think you speak about it quite a lot in your writing and that healing is moving through it and allowing yourself to soak in emotions and, and sit with them for a minute instead of trying to, you know, walk away from those. Uh, do you yeah. think writing has been like vital? How important has it been to be able to write about all this stuff? For me, I can only, I can only speak for me. Obviously not everybody, not everybody writes from the same place. I think, you know, there's a lot of different types of poets, especially and I think everyone has their own source in it. Everyone's got their own thing that they just do incredibly well. And, you know, like that kind of forms the foundation of, of their work. For me, the foundation of my work is trauma mm. because I've always used it as a way of processing things that feel beyond my control and figuring out the parts that I can control and the parts that I have to process and let go. Um, and obviously, I, you know, I haven't always been aware that that's what I was doing during the process. And half the time, you know, a lot of that is in the reading back and also is in performing. Like, 
for me, performing adds an extra layer of healing. Like there are there are poems that I only perform at specific times that, you know, I feel like that particular moment feels a little bit heavy to me right now. So let me perform this and just like put it out into the world a little bit, get that energy out of me. Um so yeah, I, I that's something that I'm still discovering. And, you know, it doesn't always work in my favour as well. I, I don't always get it right. Um, but, um, yeah, I can't remember. Sorry, what what were we no, saying that, before? No, that idea of writing Sorry, through. I'll just, jump in, I'll just jump in really quick and say, like, I always say this. It's like it's become like my saying kind of thing. But, like, poetry is cheaper than therapy. And, like, mm. I, I relate to everything you said so much because, like, some of the biggest like events of my life or trauma let's call it because that's what it is like mm -hmm. I, I've gotten through it or I've made sense of it because through writing mm. like there's just it's it is vital it's like it's mm -hmm. so it's like you need it you need it to to survive I think yeah <laughs> as deep yeah. as that sounds but, yeah but no no definitely I genuinely believe like everyone should be writing and even like I don't think everyone should be sharing it but I think Everyone should write. Everyone should write about how they feel from a place where they want to understand where they're at right now, where they want to be, how they want to get there. You know, like there's so many different ways of, of digging into this. And yeah. I like to use prompts. So I have a few like young women that I work with that have approached me at events and stuff like that and just said, you know, I'd really love to write like you. How do you do that? And you know, oh, I write a little bit, but I could never do what you do and stuff like that. And so I'd be like, okay, do you do you want to do a few Zoom calls? And, you know, we'll just sit down for a couple of hours. You know, we try and do once a week, but sometimes it might be a couple of weeks before I get a chance to chat to them or whatever. And, you know, we keep it really light because I don't want to put any pressure on it for them. I don't want it to feel pressured for me either. You know, it's something that I do as a way of giving back and helping others get from this what I've gained from it. And that's, um, that's amazing. Do you know, it's you know what? It's so, funny. For me. it's so funny you say that because I literally this this person followed me a, a couple of weeks ago on IG and then the other day on TikTok and they posted a video themselves performing. And I thought to myself, I had to look twice because I thought it was you, but it wasn't the same voice. I could tell it wasn't, but it really reminded me of your style. And I'm wondering if you right. work with them. Is the L word is the handle? Uh, the T word. The T word, the T word, sorry. Yes, yeah. Uh, I don't think oh my I don't God. think they will mind me saying, but yeah, that's someone I've been working with. And wow. she oh my god, they're coming along leaps and bounds. Like I can't believe the growth in this person. Like I cannot believe where they came from and now they're like wow. posting on their insta and I'm like, oh my god, we've only done like amazing. a few steps. You know? I love that. Um but yeah, yeah, it's it's one of the things that I'm really like. It's surprising to me how much I'm enjoying it and getting from just like seeing people kind of take ownership of their power and their voice, and you know, in whichever way they want to as well. Like, not everybody wants to share, but it's always like really beneficial to them to go through this this um like ritual almost of like writing and processing and digging into oh I said that wow that's surprising because a lot of the times 
when we write, I don't know about you, but when I write, I'm not even really that conscious of what's coming out, you know, and it's only once I read it back, I'm like, oh, is that how I really feel? <laughs> oh, like, you know, yeah. and it's all coming from this subconscious place, isn't it? So, yeah, it's such a good tool. It really is. And, um, yeah, I'm a massive advocate for it. I think everybody can benefit from, from it, most definitely. 100%. And, and you know what? You don't have to be you don't have to call yourself a writer because you're right. You can write without, <laughs> without having to worry about, oh, you know, am I a writer or, or, mm. think, or think like I have to share it, but like, and going to an open mic is so daunting, right? I remember mm-hmm. like, I can do them now and I get really excited for them and I love them and I love the rush of people applauding and, you know, engaging with the, what I'm saying and stuff. But I remember that first saying, I was petrified. I held onto the mic stand and I shook and, and and some people aren't up to that, but having someone like you who will happily give them the time and sit there and, and listen to them is a different kind of sharing. And and it's I think it's so important. Like I think that's really great that you're putting that out in out there into. Oh, the thank you. Yeah, and like I was, yeah, I just I really love it. You know, I really do. I think I hope it's something that I can just kind of continue doing in this capacity, and it, you know it it still feels like enjoyment for me mm. you know um yeah. and yeah I was gonna say one of the things that I always kind of I think it's like my motto like my life motto one of the things I would say to to Gabriel like when we're working together and we're like bouncing ideas off each other and we're trying to like conceptualize the events and stuff it's like there's no rules here like there's literally no rules. We're 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 making the rules. We are, we, you know, we we have a say in what this becomes because mm. we're actively a part of it. And so, I'm like, okay, this this feels like creative freedom to me. It's not. I'm not going to restrict it and box it into something that doesn't have to be. I'm just gonna like, okay, how do we feel? What do we feel is needed? And you know what's missing where are people you know wanting a voice that don't have it or you know where are they wanting a voice but don't actually feel able to speak right now and but you know they they definitely have it because everybody has it you know Mm. and 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 as well I think it's really important to not like like just because just because someone's work isn't necessarily the way you do it or you don't necessarily get it or understand why like you're not supposed to you know everybody has their own style and you know I don't think one person needs to be compared to another or it needs to be oh this person's better than that person like it's not about that like everyone has their own version of what this is to them Mm. and like each one is as important and as relevant as the one before and the one after you know um 100%. Yeah, and yeah, the reason I think part of why I have like immersed myself in it so much is because it's at this point and it feels really like apparent to me that this is where it's at, especially in in Manchester. Um, that you know we're we're kind of laying the groundwork with you know the events that we're doing and the spaces that we're occupying and creating and you know. I think it's important that um, it's not only one type of person being heard and it's not only one type of poetry that's acknowledged as 
being important or whatever, you know, which is why, you know, I do, I do essentially and why I felt it was important to create that space because it's, it's important. It's, it's really important for people to be able to come and speak about relationships in a non-taboo way that mm. is felt and appreciated and related to, you know, um, but yeah. Know, I know not everybody of the same kind of, you know, the same kind of thinking or understanding and all of that. But yeah, I don't really care. But yeah, I don't think any anything like any type of poetry is better or worse than the other. I just think it all has its place, you know. Absolutely. Like, I've, just on what you said, I've got two thoughts. The first one is, I think it was Ben Wilkinson that said it in his episode, but like some, some people try to define poetry and you can't. You can't, it's mm. not just one thing, it's so mm. many things. And it doesn't you need to do Yeah, exactly. And it, and, and it, like you said, it's all valid, even if you just if you don't like someone's style or someone's whatever, it's it doesn't it doesn't take any value from me. It's just mm-hmm. art is subjective in, mm-hmm. in all its forms. Mm-hmm. You know, I might go in a gallery with my partner and that and she might find a painting really fascinating and I might look at it and not see the point and that's mm-hmm. fine. It doesn't mean that it's not good. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that there's no worth to it. It just means that maybe I don't get the point and that's that's okay. Yeah. Um, and but I think I think the thing that happens in poetry a lot, like page poetry and performance poetry are in competition and again I think like they're they're their own art form separately mm-hmm. like it takes a lot like you can be a mass a really really great writer and sit at home and write 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 and have tons of notebooks full of brilliant poems but no one might hear them ever because you you don't have that confidence in getting on a stage and telling them to people mm. and, and you know like and it doesn't they don't lose any value for that either it's just it's I think it's two separate things but mm. I hate I, I kind of not hate but get frustrated at the fact that these things seem to be like in competition with each other it mm. shouldn't be like it shouldn't be a competition it should be yeah. a community I definitely agree and like equally I get just as much from someone that is like a off the page poet and reads in a way that's not like for really like full-on performance spoken word poetry in it like some people read from their books like they're reading the poetry in a really traditional way and yeah that like that stuff hits me just as hard as when I see someone like full-on performing or adding musical accompaniments and do you know with like a lot more expression and stage presence like there's no right or wrong way to do poetry it all has its place and it's all just as valuable as the next right you know yeah there's there's just so much beauty in the diversity of it all you know yeah 100 percent. and like you were saying about starting um centrally like me and Stuart started Natter uh and, and one of the main reasons that I, that I wanted one of the points that I brought to the table that I wanted to create was a space right a really inclusive space and I'm not saying that in the sense of everyone's welcome but like we're accessible like we've had people bring the toddlers because they couldn't get a babysitter but they still wanted mm-hmm. to come and read that night we've got a, a, a lady that brings a, like te- early early teenage daughter around every month like like I want to bring all kinds of people together and, and 
have a space where that's possible to happen and sometimes it's not possible like if you have a night in in a pub like the mm -hmm. the lady with the toddler wouldn't be able to come because she wouldn't feel comfortable bringing in the toddler and, and you shouldn't <laughs> don't bring toddlers to mm -hmm. bars like but you know you know what i'm saying like and and that's the beauty with natter is that 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 space it exists and there's not many like it and and the fact that mm -hmm. it's non-alcoholic venue and all these things like i think create create a space that in this kind of like scene that we're in it doesn't exist lot like in abundance as as any yeah. other mic in a bar like I would agree. That is a really beautiful um, yeah like I've yeah I've only had good experiences like that it's a really really special thing that you're doing most definitely and yeah it just goes to show like filling that gap you know, filling that gap, whatever it is that's important to you. Like for you, it's inclusivity and making sure everyone can be in the space and everyone's welcome, regardless of age, whatever. Like it doesn't matter, in it. Yeah, you've got kids, bring yeah. your kids. Like you know, you want to perform. Yeah, definitely. Okay, our stage is for you. Like yeah, and it's so important to have a space like that. Like you know, and yeah, I feel like, but but likewise, I feel like it's also important to have certain spaces where they are really fussy mm. about the people that they allow on the stage, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, you know, Grooverse and, you know, I think Post Place is kind of cast well, as one of those kind of spaces. I, I want to talk to you about it's a little this. more intermediate. Yeah. But, yeah. So, right, I want to get onto this. So, we mentioned Gabriel a few moments ago. We've we've done yeah, nearly yeah. an hour without talking about him, so that's good. But I guess we can bring him in. <laughs> um, yeah. How how did you first meet Gabriel and and start Poetry Place and and what's the backstory there? I performed on the Poetry Place. I performed on the Poetry Place. I think it was the third one. I so performed it was, it was on. just him running it at the time. Yeah. So he set up in like the November of twenty twenty-three. 2021 i think oh bloody hell it's mad how much has been achieved in that small amount of time I, in yeah. my head it's a lot so, older than yeah it. november 21 i think it will be yeah and then it was like his birthday event and i think the venue that he had it at had um tied him in for two events so he did another one and then he did a third one at armor store which was the one i performed at and then after I'd performed, you know, Gabriel always puts all these like questions and stuff in his story and that. So like, I was like, we'll like just respond to this kind of stuff. Cause I, you know, I always feel I've probably done to yourself or yeah. to definitely to Michaela yeah. and probably <laughs> to Ramina. We love it. We love point. the feedback. But like, yeah, I'll see something and it'll just like trigger something in me and I'll just be like, oh whatever you know and I try to relate to whatever you're going through or try to you know just add my little two pence and hopefully help you help yourself in some way and um so I think yeah there was a few few conversations that we'd sparked up through that and um this was like March I'd performed and I think the next I think like in the April he'd asked me to work for him so by the next event We'd worked on that together. But at the time, I think he had in his mind that he wanted to get another person because it was becoming like too much. Cause you know, he's like, he just like, um, not social worker. Youth, um, you know, youth work, yeah. Youth worker, that's it. Yeah. Um, so like, that's a really demanding job anyway, isn't it? You know, um, so I think it was kind of becoming a little bit too much and um, he was looking for someone to work. And I think because we'd kind of sparked all these conversations mm. and we had a rapport where we got on, 
um he said oh do you fancy working on the coach place and I was like yeah like no hesitation like yeah don't have to ask me twice do you know what I mean <laughs> and yeah I think it was it was really weird so like for me it was a really weird experience even the first night when I went into the Polish place was a really weird experience um you know I, I described it as like an out-of-body experience it was like stepping through a portal it was really strange very very strange experience like um yeah I don't I, I'm not going to get into it too much now but um it was one of those moments where it was almost as if me, like my spirit, knew that there's something, something in this energy here. There's something here for me, but my mind and my body couldn't like really comprehend what that energy was trying to tell me. Um, it was like really overwhelming. Um, and if you look at the pictures from that night, right, there's a picture from that night of me and, like, I look like a deer in the headlights. I'm like, like and, and I'm like, <laughs> so, yeah. And I think maybe that was what initially sparked the conversation was, like, I, he, he sent me that picture and I was like, oh, my God, like, what is wrong with me? Why do I look like that in every photo? This is not good. Um, and then... Um, so yeah we started working together and I think at the time at the time we were both kind of I don't think you will mind me saying but we were both kind of in a similar place so you know I was going through all this like mental emotional stuff and like in this place um and during this whole process um between selling my business and starting performing like performing at um saying in the September then I sold my business in the October then my nana got really ill and so I was like I wasn't working at all it was like literally like maybe like a week or so between my nana getting admitted to hospital and I, I sold my business and so like all my time had freed up and at the same time my nana had got really ill and my mum and auntie were looking after her at the time and I just felt like I, I wanted to I didn't feel able to help with my nana's care, but I knew I could help them, you know, just take a little weight off or have a chat, allow them to cry, whatever they needed. Um, so I wanted to be around them as much as possible um, and also get time with my nana because um, it was quite clear that, like, she was coming to the end and stuff. Um, so she passed away in January and... The day after a funeral, I lost my job. I got fired from my job. And um, I can't blame them for firing me because, like, I wasn't really performing very well at the time. So I'd taken on a job um, just kind of for a bit of extra money over Christmas and stuff. And my brother was working in the kitchen and they needed a pastry chef. So I was, like, you know, happy to oblige. <laughs> and then, obviously, because of the situation with banana and stuff at that time, like, my head wasn't really in it. And, you know, you know yourself, I mean, you can't, like, you can't perform well in those kind of environments if your head's not in it. Um, and so basically my nana passed away. We had a funeral and stuff. The day after they'd called me into work for a meeting and they fired me. And I just really was just like, right, I'm not doing this again. Like, uh, you know, I don't need any more signs from the universe to show <laughs> me that like, this is not the path that I'm meant to be on and stuff. 
And I just kind of made a promise to myself, like, I'm really going to knuckle down. I'm going to, like, try and get really good at this. And so between that kind of January and when I performed at the poetry place in March, I'd, like, really, like, made efforts to kind of, like, try and get some of my work off book, try and, like, just get more comfortable. Like, I was rehearsing all the time at home as much as I could and just, like, getting comfortable trying to get comfortable with being on stage so I was like this is a time when I was like performing three four times a week and I wouldn't go on poetry stages so I didn't the poetry place was my first poetry stage after saying so I performed that saying and then I thought I didn't want to what I didn't want to go back into a space where it's like so critical of poetry and where my work would be like criticized and looked into and dug into a little bit I wanted to like be in spaces where I could like happily build my confidence and not feel a way about like going back there if I, if I messed up kind of thing so I would perform at like mostly just like open mic jam nights and stuff like that um and then by the time I performed on poetry place I was like okay I felt ready so um the poetry place I yeah, I got I got a slot in the poetry place. I think I'd staff um Poetic Flower had like messaged me and said, Oh, you should see if you can get a spot on this night. I thought, okay. I messaged and then maybe it was like, Oh, I've got one slot left. Oh, he said he, he was like, No, he was like, I haven't I, I haven't really got any slots, but for you I make the exception. So I was mm -hmm. like, Oh, what? Like, because in the time when she'd sent me um she'd sent me the post place and stuff, she, I think she'd sent me Gabriel's thing as well. Or like I'd just like done a bit of research and that. And I was like looking into the night and I'm thinking, right, this is like next level, like this guy's works next level, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um then when he said that, I was like, oh, okay, maybe maybe I'm, I'm good at this, oh, I don't know. And, like, I was really excited to, like, perform on the night. And, it, I, like, anyone that had mentioned it to was like, oh, that's a really good, that's that's one of the good events, da-da-da. So I was, like, proper excited. And then I kind of walked through Armour Store, walked through the shop, was, like, feeling really confident. And I wasn't even, like, as nervous as I usually am. And, um... I walked through the back into the back room and like that room just hit me. And like from then I just felt like I couldn't, there was something I don't know. It was, my body wasn't really doing what I needed it to do. I couldn't think properly. It was just a really weird experience. I've never had an experience like it since I never before either. Um, and I've had like strange experience, like meditative experiences and stuff like that, you know, like different kind of spiritual experience. But that was like really intense, different, very different feeling from anything I've before um and yeah so yeah it made sense to me afterwards when I ended up working on the event mm. and also the connection I made with Raf the owner of Armour Store and stuff like that like uh you know is someone that I consider a good friend now too as well as Gabriel and also like the people I met that night like Pinky uh Ronke and Adiola, um, you know, like these are people that like I still chat to and see on the circuit now and you know. So I think yeah, there was there was a lot of energy in that room. It was a really special night. Um and the poach place is like it just has such a special place in my heart, like honestly. Um just in the way that like because of everything that I've been through during the time when I started working with the poach place and that whole this whole journey that I've had and 
the things that we've done during that process mm -hmm. with the poetry play like honestly like this stuff has like kept me going through like the darkest times and yeah it just is so special to me so important to me yeah i just wanted to say that poetry place is really special like what obviously what Gabriel started and then you guys have carried on mm. together is unreal and i found yeah, we've got caesar on board now as well we caesar, caesar as well yeah. yeah i know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. caesar's an, an, an incredible addition to the team like he's just bringing so much value i'm proper gassed for like the summer shutdown that we're gonna do um so yeah it's it's gonna be yeah epic yeah i remember the last summer shutdown actually i went to that we'll, me and will both, both mm -hmm. performed yeah i mm -hmm. think but if I'm not wrong, your first time actually like co-hosting Poetry Place. Me, it was mine and Will's first time on the bill as well. Again in, in yeah, Armour. Yeah. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. What I and it's so funny what you said before because I felt the same. I was walking in the sh the stories, you know, cute, whatever. I was walking through, looking at the stuff, and then I got to that room and I felt really intimidated all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. But um, lucky for me, I saw someone who was giving the bracelets out that day, Melissa Dean, um, and and I'd met her at uh, at pull up the week before. So like I saw friends. Okay, nice. And we had like a a, a small chat, and I just felt like okay, I'm at ease now. I know yeah. people here, but it, it's quite an intimidating room when you walk in and the darkness of it, and it's like quite like mm -hmm. you know like uh, it's yeah it's it's an en it's like an energy that is like vibing Definitely. off the room for sure and like kind of swallows you in and invites you in. It's amazing. Yeah, you're right though about the connections because we didn't know each other well at that time either, did we, Ro? We didn't like, know each other massively well. I think that's one of the first times yeah. like we actually spent a long amount of time together because we walked over from Oxford Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a bit of a walk and stuff. And and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, we made a connection there as I well. I remember your entrance that night, well, the way that you like came on stage. Oh my god, I was like, Who Energy. is this guy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's yes. so funny, man. Amazing. I love it. Amazing. Yeah, but you've done amazing things with yeah. it like even this the Altrincham not so secret garden with the yeah. music mm -hmm. and that. like that was such a, an amazing oh that was well. one of my favorite yeah that today. was unbelievable like so I want to touch event. on when um when you first brought this up there's this there does seem to be this perceived idea about Poge Place from some people looking into it like you meant you touched on mm -hmm. it earlier of this idea of it's a bit more selective how like how is that true to what extent is that true how do you go about oh, that? Okay, so with the poetry plays, I think uh, for Gabriel, he wants it to be a space that is for artists that are actively working on their practice. Hmm. And it's not it's not that, like, oh, just anyone can't get on the stage. It, it's, it's a stage for poets, for people that actively want to, you know, work on becoming as good as they can be as a poet, as a writer, as an artist, as a performer, yeah? So, for instance, if you if you send a message to the poetry place and say, um, I want to perform on the next event, but you don't have any poetry on your, on your page, or you've got, like, a couple of written pieces and that's it, then it's not really showing that this is a stage that you want to work on. So Gabriel works very closely with, you know, in his job with, like, youth services and all that but also you know he's, he's a myth fellow this year so like he's a factory fellow mm. so um you know he's 
at most of the poetry place events, there have been people from MIF at those events. Um, there have been people from other charities and organizations that can really like open opportunities, commission artists, and give them, you know, open doors, give them opportunities on other stages or, you know, paid opportunities and stuff like that. He wants to open that stage up with that audience to artists that want to progress. There's no point in putting an artist on there that are like hobbyist poets because that's not what that stage is for. It's for people that actively want to, you know, do this and do it with longevity. Mm. Like if that if that shows like an element of snobbery, it's not what I would personally consider snobbery because like I say, anybody who is working on their practice is welcome on that stage wherever they are at in their practice. Mm. That's not that's not in question that it's just do you show willing is this something that you know you're actively pursuing you know and if you if you look at like the artists that uh perform in the poetry place and you know the reason why the room's packed out for every event and you know the tickets sell out and you know the the, the space is full and the energy is always elevated and you know, all of these things are because of the work that Gabriel puts in behind the scenes, making the connections that he's making and getting people to show up and sit on seats and pay attention to artists that otherwise aren't necessarily always being heard or having space to be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think there's a lot of like there's a lot of this going on within the poetry community. And personally, I try to like stay away from it myself because I'm not really. I'm not really one for that. Like, I just think if 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 you see something about somebody's event that you don't like, then just don't implement it into yours. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and there's space for both. Like me, you were saying that's... earlier, Amina. Like, the, all of these are important. I think Switchblade is an in between yeah, yeah. of those two things. We have a headliner, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, but it, mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah. For like, yeah. The poetry place is 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 more than an open mic. Like Natter is just an open mic, and I'm happy with that. I want people to come, share, and people to just listen. People who maybe would never listen to poetry before, whatever, whatever. That's fine. I, I love that space, and that's what I want. That's what I've created. Poetry place is more than that. Poetry place is doing bits that they, they, like you said. Gabriel wants to give opportunities. He's creating that. He's doing all the networking behind the scenes, bringing them people into the audience. Like it's. It's an it's a it's a step up. Like it, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, like yeah. A I think it's, like, thing. it's yeah, a positive me, thing. Yeah. So like you have like you have like takeaways. You have you know high street chains. You have like mm. high end fine dining restaurants. You have everything in between in it. And like I think it's it's the same for most industries, isn't it? Like in poetry, you know, there needs to be some nights that hold accountability for the the creed of the artists that you put on stage. Like, you know, I, I tried to get a spot on uh, Griever. Is mm-hmm. it Griever? Griever. Yeah, 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 yeah. They won't give me a spot. They won't even, like, they won't even look at me. Yeah. yeah? <laughs> Shout out to them. But, they DM'd me and was like, uh, do you know any poets? And I was like, yeah, man, I'm a poet. And then they completely ignored me. But it's, it's fair <laughs> enough. Because it's like, that's, that's levels. Yeah. And Gabriel doing bits like Glastonbury and stuff you've got like you say you've got to put the work in to end up where there is mm-hmm. it's the same as what don berry was saying on his episode is that like if we don't if we don't have those spaces where people can elevate to then people go into it with the mindset that poetry is never going to get you anywhere and it's just it's just yeah 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 and it's like yeah you- i think i think since gabriel decided that 
this was going to be like a regular event and all of that. He wanted it to be an event that artists aspire to perform on that stage. I was just going to say, you know, and there has to be a degree of exclusivity in that with the type of performance that you get on stage and stuff. And, 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 you know, that should, that should also be inclusive. Like there should be nobody like, you know, like not allowed in that just for any other reason than are you actively pursuing your poetry? Like that's the only, that's the only like, that's the only deciding factor, you know? And I think sometimes we get a bad rap for not only for for like having that like setting that bar but also for like charging people to come into the event and stuff like that and personally as an artist I want to be paid for what I do and I want to be paid my value and I think unless we start generating income within the poetry circuit in the ways that we can we can't always go outside of poetry to get funding and all of that, like get grants and stuff like that to in, in order to further our careers. And like, we have to be able to generate some kind of like revenue and something that makes this, you know, where we can pay artists. We can, you know, like, we can make money from this and afford to pay the producers and all of that and afford to be able to make this something that, you know, it's, creating its own little economy and i think if every poetry event is free what does that say about the value of poets because i pay to go and see my favorite artists so like if i'm your favorite artist pay to come and see me you know like and, and I'm not saying that i'm anyone's favorite artist but do you know what i mean like no I yeah but yeah 100%. i think like I understand like some events are free and all of that and that's great and you know there's there's plenty that I do for free and also like my own event you know I don't I don't always charge people and I give a lot of free seats away and you know I I if somebody turns up and they don't have like that I'm not going to turn them away from the door like you know what I mean and I make that clear but um I don't know I think at what point are we going to start like demanding to be paid for what we do? Because I do free performances all the time, and you know it's 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 kind of like gassed up as oh it's 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 an opportunity for people to see you work and all of this. But like, all right, I'm still not. I agree. <laughs> you know, no, I've still got three yeah. kids to feed. You know, like so. It's not that, yeah, it's not that the free events shouldn't exist. I just think that people shouldn't, like, hold some kind of vendetta because people charge for their events also. Like, we're trying to create income for the entire community, like, a way of, like, this being sustainable and profitable for everybody, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this... You haven't gone, sorry. I I, I was just going to say, I think... I think it's important to have both, you know, I think it's important mm. to have three ones. Most like, definitely. Yeah, but I also think, like, you bang on there, like, we never get paid for our time, We and we perform for free so much, all of us, and, like, a lot of the time it costing me money, it's costing me mm-hmm. petrol, yeah, or, yeah. Park or, yeah. or transport, or train repairs, yeah. or whatever it may be, um, and, and we don't do it for the money, we do it for the love of it, but of course. at some point we have to say, we want to eat from our art and we're not and, and and we need to 
to to make that happen somehow and he needs to start from within you know no gonna, yeah no one's I, gonna just i do this for the love i do this I, i'm i do this because it's all i can do right now you know like i i evidently i couldn't hold down a job in a kitchen and it like i'm good at it as well i only really listen to a few podcasts and this is one of them yeah no i really enjoy it and you get like really interesting guests and it's so good to hear people's story like start to end like yeah it's, it, i'm yeah i'm thoroughly enjoying it and i don't think i'm the only one so yeah well done man. well it's, it's the same you. thing so i think it's the same it's the diy just do it and see what happens. Like mm -hmm. just in a microphone and some interesting people to talk to. The worst podcasts are the ones where the, the hosts are just dull. Do you know what I mean? Or it's like they, they don't <laughs> choose the right guests and just banging on about nonsense. But I think people in poetry have stories to tell. Do you know what I mean? That's why we get into it. We're all deeply fucked up. <laughs> yeah. It it's true. Sense. It's true. I think, yeah, most, most of the times when I've done like lives and stuff like with, poets for poetry place and stuff it's always been like yeah i write for therapy like pretty much everyone i've ever spoke to about why they write it's for therapy and so yeah i, I just think it's the human condition i think we're all mm. like really we're all just a little bit tortured and messed up at me and you know like some of us just hide it better than others like, yeah. 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 <laughs> 100%, 100%. we right so we're, we're running out of time i don't want to keep you too much yeah. longer but I, I honestly there's we've only touched on half the stuff we'll have to we're gonna have to get you back on when the album comes <laughs> out and the book and anytime yeah so much let more me to know talk when. about um but we will we will start to wrap up for now because we don't want to keep you all evening um ramina do you want to ask the most important question Yes, I'm coming in with a big question. I'm really excited to hear your take on this, actually, because I've been I've been surprised by a few guests with their with their answer. So, we are the redraft podcast, obviously. So, if we gave you the chance to go back and redraft uh, an area of your life that can be your career, your personal life, your writing uh, career so far, what would you go back and rescribble and redo again? I probably would have done poetry sooner. I would have taken it seriously and taken the risk on myself sooner for this. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's that's the thing. And I think I did I did actually, like, a few times try it, but I just wasn't ready. So, and it's mm. always just like, when you're ready, these things fall into place. But, yeah, I think if there was anything I would change, I'm not really one for regrets and all of that. I believe everything gets us to where we're going and, you know, we have to experience the good and the bad um but yeah I think yeah when I think oh where I could be now if I started taking this really seriously sooner, you know, oh, you know as, as a writer as a performer as you know and yeah I think I've heard you say similar um so yeah yeah that would be it yeah I, I you know, I, I've always said the same but when when I when Will asked me this question and then I answered it and he said but would your journey have been the same? Like, I've been thinking about mm. that still. Like, <laughs> I think so much would be different. And, mm. I, and I don't think, and I don't know whether that would have been a good or bad thing. I think I'm happy with the lessons that I've learned. Some of them have been really tough, but I think that I've grown from it and I've become a much better person from it. So it's a oh, funny okay. one, but I definitely wish I'd gone to uni a lot earlier and stopped wasting so much time saying, I hate this career, but going to work mm -hmm. for 18 hours a day anyway for years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a funny one. 
Yeah. Well, that's 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 your answer. That's a great answer. Um, thank you so much for being so generous with your time, so patient I know. with Thank you with for us having today. Me. You've been amazing. It's been really. I've I've clicked my fingers over here so many times. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if the listeners heard that, but I, I have been I have been either shaking my head with in agreement or clicking my fingers tonight. Yeah. So thanks again. As we as we let you go, could, where can people you know follow you? Find out what what's coming up next in the next few months in the world of Sherelle? Um, so yeah, Instagram's the best place to catch me at Sherelle Anne. And um, you know, if anybody is, you know, a secret writer and you know, wanting to kind of like explore that, definitely drop me a message. Like I say, I have my little my little private group that I uh check in with and stuff. So yeah, Sherelle Anne at inst- on Instagram. And there we have it. What a conversation with Sherelle. Um, always a pleasure, a fantastic performer and such a, a lovely chat. I really just really enjoyed it. It was, it was very moving, very inspirational. Yes, it was. I spent the whole time either shaking, either nodding my head in agreement or, mm-hmm. or clicking my fingers, the poetry clap. Because um, as I said before, I think Sherelle's just got this really great outlook uh, on things. Um, and it was a great chat, yeah, hundred percent. You know what? And and the, the oh, so many so many things to tap into that chat. I could I could go over and spend an hour on each point. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like such such. Yeah, we'd love to have a back. Yeah, yeah, great, great chat. Um, I hope you guys liked it as well. I feel like we've barely scratched the surface, but there's like there's so much more to come. We'll definitely get her back on when that album that she keeps referring to makes its way into our ears, which will be hopefully later this year. I'm looking forward to that very much. Yes, me too. Uh, yeah, 100%. I, I, as I said before, performance is like, but I can't wait to hear what she does with music. Like, mm. yeah, unbelievable. Can't wait. So shout out to you for staying around to the end. Uh, that means you get to listen to one of our plugs, which is obviously the best part of the show yeah. each week. Um, so we're just a few days away from the next uh, Switchblades uh, open mic, which I'm really, really excited about. It is this Sunday. We've got an amazing co-headliner, our first co-headliner performance uh, from Jay Daniel West and Lou Mack uh, coming together to perform their collection that they've written together. Um, it's a world premiere and it's the first time they've performed on the same stage at the same time, reading the same material. So I'm super buzzing for that. Exclusive. <laughs> yes, I can't wait for this. Like these are two incredible performers. You do not want to miss out. J. Daniel West, Louise Machen on the Switchblade stage. Switchblade stage. Yes, I was going to say Switchblade Stadium. <laughs> then. Uh, hey, one day. Stage. <laughs> like Jarrell was yes. saying, you know, don't put a limit on yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Dream big. <laughs> Dream big. After um, that. Yeah. After that, we've got the next TIC workshop on the 29th of July. Yep. Led by our very own Will Stevenson on all things confidence, stage presence, public speaking, you know, all the terrifying words, but do come along because <laughs> it's going to be a fantastic workshop. There's activities, there's goodie bags, there's a talk, there is uh, networking opportunities, meet new people. Um, it's just going to be a lovely time. Tickets are free. Uh, yeah. So please come. Please no join excuses. Us. And it's a, where a nice, can join nice us, timing. Uh, go and find us on Instagram um, where you can find the ticket link 
sat in our our bio and it's at the doors open cic uh which yeah really really excited about that and of course don't forget that just a few days after that because we like to keep busy we have got our live show the 3rd of august uh the redraft podcast live at the king's arms with the wonderful adam evans free crisps good chat exclusive content all new poetry from me and Romina and lovely comedy from Adam. What more do you want? What a lovely evening. £4 a ticket. Go £4. find it on our link. Uh, and please join us. It's going to be a lovely time. Amazing. And uh, well, I think that's all the all the plugging out of the way, isn't it? <laughs> that's all the plugging out of the way. Thank you for sticking around. We will now let you go and we'll be back here next week at the same time with Amazing a brand stuff. new guest for you. Have a great week and we'll see you in a bit. Bye.